0: Indiana Bible College is committed to training tomorrow's apostolic leaders today. And this is the Indiana Bible College podcast. The online learning program at Indiana Bible College is currently accepting students who are interested in completing their Bible College degrees, sharpening their Bible knowledge, or earning a certificate of apostolic studies. The online program is 100% online, so you don't have to uproot your life to continue your studies. It is 100% self-paced, so you can complete courses at your convenience, and it is 100% affordable at only $99 a month. Visit www.ibcdl.com for enrollment information. And also, as a reminder, last week we let you know about IBC in Español, our Spanish training program, and how we have launched an apostolic certificate of studies that is 100% online and 100% in Spanish. Revival is happening in every language, and we are excited to play a small part in training tomorrow's apostolic Spanish-speaking leaders today. Visit indianabiblecollege.org forward slash ibc en espanol that's indianabiblecollege.org forward slash IBC in Espanol for more information. Right now, let's check out the very first student-preached chapel of the 2021 school year with our student body president, Drew Mains, preaching a message entitled, The Call of a King. Come
1: on, somebody, right now, let's lift up a shout of praise unto God. God, you're worthy. God, you're holy. God, you're mighty. Lord, we will not be afraid because, God, you go before us. God, you see exactly where we're at and you know exactly what we need. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, how many know that you are called in this place today? Come on, how many know you have a responsibility in this place today? How many know you have a mission in this place today? Oh, come on, somebody. You're not here by accident but you are here because God called you here for such a time as this. I don't have all the answers. I don't know why what's going on is what's happening, is what's happening, but I know a God who is bigger than any situation, who is bigger than anything the world can try and throw at us, is bigger than anything the enemy can try and throw at us because God is God, and God is great. Amen. 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 If you have your Bibles... If you would want to turn to Romans chapter 15, or chapter 14, sorry. Romans chapter 14. And before we get started, I would just ask that you would bow your heads and you would pray with me. I've come with a burden on my heart today. I've come with a word I believe God has put on my heart for this year, for this student body. And if you don't know me, my name's Drew. Um, I don't know if I've met everybody yet, but if I haven't, I look forward to meeting you. Um, You know, I guess they just put me up here today because there was no one else around. I don't know. No, I'm just kidding. Um, But no, I, I look forward to meeting everybody. But if we could just bow our heads and pray that God would just have his way in this place. Lord, your presence is here. We thank you for your presence that's in this place. We thank you for your power and your spirit that we feel. We thank you, God, for what you're doing this year, God, and what you're going to do. We thank you, God, for the opportunity to be here on this campus, to learn, to glean, to come together and worship, to come together and hear your word. We thank you, God, for your blessings, for your provision, God, for your power. Lord, right now, I just pray that you would anoint these lips of clay to preach the word, God, you have put on my heart. And, God, I just pray that you would have your way above all else, God. Let your will be done in this place today. And, Lord, I thank you for what you're going to do, and I thank you for your spirit. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Romans chapter 14 and verse number 17. For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. Amen. That's powerful right there. The kingdom of God is beyond the kingdom of this world. The kingdom of God is about righteousness. The kingdom of God is about peace. The kingdom of God is about joy in the Holy Ghost. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. You know, I'll never forget the time that I really let my dad down. I don't know, there's, looks like there's a lot of sons in this place, amen, Um, but I'll never forget the time that my dad was really disappointed in me, and there's nothing that feels worse than that, right? When your dad gives you that look, and you know you just done messed up, it's not, it's not a great feeling, I can tell you that right now, especially when your dad asks you to do something that's simply mow the grass. And you don't do it. I couldn't tell you why. You know, I mean, I probably could. Um, But, you know, I came up with, I, I said, that my dad was leaving. He had a lot to do that day. He said, all right, Drew, here's what I need you to do. I was probably 14, 15. He said, I need you to mow the grass. And my dad, he's really particular about it. So our yard, it's like, it's okay. It's not super big. It's not super small. But my dad... Likes it push mode. Amen. I don't know if anyone can attest to that. You know, a zero turn, great modern invention. But my dad's not about it. He's about the push mow. So he said, Drew, I need you to mow the grass. And, you know, I'm 14, 15, and here's what I wanted to do. I wanted to go hang out with my friends. You know, that makes sense, right? I mean, yeah, I could mow the grass, or I could, like, go fishing. Yeah, I could mow the grass, or I could, like, you know, go hang out at like Quincy's house or Spencer's house or something you know rip um, <laughs> but I could do that right but anyway I did the moral of the story is I didn't mow the grass so my dad comes home he sees the yard and I thought I thought he's gonna get home late it's going to be dark. You probably just want to kind of come inside and not say anything. And then maybe I can get up early in the morning and get it done. That's what I thought I was wrong. My dad comes in the house and he sees, and this, this hit hard. He saw the yard and he looks at me and he said, Drew, I asked you to do one simple thing. One simple thing. And you didn't get it done. He said, I'm really disappointed. He said, do better next time. And that was it. I was like, I I really wish you would have just like, you know, I mean, I was 15, so I guess I'm too old for that. But I, maybe not. I don't know how you guys all feel about that. <laughs> but that's that's between you and the future. Um, <laughs> but I was like, man, I really wish you would just like taken my phone or like taken, you know, like, you know, said, I can't go anywhere for the next little while. And that would have felt a lot better, honestly. But he said, I asked you to do one simple thing, and you didn't do it. There is someone calling us to do something, and he is the Lord of lords. He is the king of kings. And what I want to talk about for the next few moments is this, the call of a king. The call of a king. God is here. God is in this place. And he called you all here to Indiana Bible College for a reason. Freshmen, sophomores, juniors, maybe even seniors. Maybe you're still trying to figure it out. Am I really called to preach, seniors? Hopefully you figure that out. But am I really called to preach? Am I really called to be a worship leader? Am I really called to do this or that? And we can get really caught up in that, right? Now, I don't know if God's called you to be a preacher. And I don't know if God's called you to be a worship leader. That's between you and him. But I do know something God has called everyone to do in this place, and that is to reach the lost. There is no greater calling than reaching the lost, than reaching this hurt, lost, dying world. God said, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Maybe you don't know if you're going to be a preacher. Maybe you don't know if you're going to be a Sunday school teacher. Maybe you don't know if you're going to be a worship leader. But I'll tell everyone in this place right now, you, every single person in here is qualified to give a Bible study. Every single person in this place is qualified to walk out on the street and pray and be sensitive to the Holy Ghost and reach out to somebody. It doesn't take qualification for that. It just takes the spirit of God. But there's some things we need to understand before we truly know the call of a king. Isaiah chapter 6, and this is where I want to spend some time. In Isaiah chapter 6, now Isaiah, if you have your Bibles, you can turn there. Isaiah was a popular prophet. He was well known. He was really close with King Uzziah. He had influence. He had a position. God was using him in a lot of great ways. You know, Isaiah was just speaking the word of God to God's people. But then we read Isaiah chapter 6. And it starts off like this. And we probably all know it. In the year that King Uzziah died. King Uzziah is dead. That's Isaiah's kind of in with the royal family, right? That's who, you know, he has an ear. He has the ear of the king. He's kind of in the royal courts. He has a position. He has influence. But then King Uzziah dies. But then it says, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphims, each one had six wings. With twain he covered his face, with twain he covered his feet, and with twain he did fly. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. You see, Uzziah is dead. It's a dark time in Isaiah's life. But what does he get? He gets a revelation of who God is. He realizes that God is. Is greater that God is holy. That God deserves all the glory. You see, Isaiah has a revelation. Has a revelation of who God is, and to truly understand the call of a king, we have to understand who God really is. Psalms ninety-nine and nine says God is holy. Second Samuel twenty-two four says He is worthy to be praised. Psalms 145, 17 says, the Lord is righteous. And 1 John 4, 8 says, God is love. 2 Thessalonians 3, 3 says, the Lord is faithful. And Psalms 105 says, the Lord is good. We have to know God. We have to truly know him. But how do we do that? This isn't revolutionary. This isn't something new. This has been preached a thousand times. But it's through prayer. Prayer is establishing a relationship with God. Prayer is communication with God. But it's not just prayer. It's interaction with the Word. It's interaction with the, interaction with the written Word of God. We have to dig deep. We have to pray. We have to know God and develop a relationship with Him. In Matthew chapter 17, the Bible says, And Jesus said unto them, Because of your unbelief, For verily I say unto you, if you have faith the size of a grain of a mustard seed, you shall say to this mountain, remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove. And nothing shall be impossible unto you. How be it this kind go out but by prayer and fasting. We want to do great things for God. We want to get up and preach chapel. We want to get up and lead worship in chapel. We want to sing a solo. We want to do this and that. We want to go out. We want to go out and reach people. But without God, without prayer, without fasting, without studying the Word of God, it's all for nothing. I'm talking about the call of a king today. I'm talking about a mandate given by God. I'm talking about a mission God has given every single one of us in this place today. And we have to know God to understand the call of a king. I have a question for everybody in this place today. Why do we legitimize fear and delegitimize faith? I just want to know, why do we rationalize fear and when somebody says, I believe it in faith, it's kind of like, that's kind of crazy. I'm just wondering. Because the Bible says it takes faith the size as a grain of a mustard seed to move a mountain. And in 2 Timothy, it says, for God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Fear has no place with God. We say, I know God can do it. But, there's this. I know God could do it, but, I mean, I'm like 18. I know God could do it, but do you know where I come from? I know God could do it, but you don't know what I've done. I know God could do it, but. And we walk around with the spirit of doubt and with the spirit of fear when we need to cast that off and get a spirit of faith. And let me tell somebody right now, faith is not silly. Faith is not dictated by emotion. Faith is action. Faith is a choice. Faith is confidence. Faith is obedience. Faith says mountain, move, and it moves. When you are praying, when you are fasting, when you are in the word of God, you can speak in faith and say, devil, you have no place here. Devil, you have no authority. I don't care about coronavirus. I don't care what the enemy's trying to do, but God, I have faith that you can do it. I have faith that you said you would, and I know you can. I'm not afraid, I will not doubt, I will not let the enemy hinder me, but I will walk in faith, I will walk in authority knowing I am called by God and I have a call of a king on my life. Amen. I don't need to sit on my hands and wait for God to do something. And don't get me wrong, there's a place for patience, there's a place for waiting on God to tell you to move. But when God says go, you got to get up and you got to go. There's no question, there's no doubt, there's no fear, but there is a call of a king. And God said, Preach the gospel to every creature. We have to know God, we have to truly know Him, and we have to walk by faith. I'm talking about kingdom culture today. Brother Kilman. It was just a few days ago. All you freshmen were coming in to the slob, and a lady comes to the door. Very distressed, very like something's wrong, crying, freaking out, and she's standing there. And me and a few others were in the slob, and Brother Kilman was there. And I said, Brother Kilman, there's a lady here, and she's obviously, you know, she needs the truth, Uh, but I said, Brother Kilman, there's a lady here. She's kind of freaking out, and we don't really know what's going on. So, Brother Kilman, you went up and talked to her, and she told us that she felt like there was a spirit attacking her house, attacking her family, that her four-year-old daughter wasn't able to sleep, that stuff was falling off her walls, all this stuff was happening. And, you know, at first, you got to think about it. You don't want to be unwise, you know. Is this legitimate or not, you know? And Brother Kilman says, Drew, go get the anointing oil, we're going to go over there. And I just said, okay, let's do it. And then Abigail and Olivia were both there, and we all went over there. Well, we went into the house, we began to pray. We began to call on the name of Jesus. We began to pray against these things that were attacking them, and we prayed for the family. And you could feel God in that place. You felt God change that room. You felt his presence come down and touch that family. Whatever spirits were attacking them, I don't know, but I know there was... Jesus was in that place. I know the power of God touched those people. But we all went outside, and Brother Kilman said, well, I've got some things to take care of. Um, These students right here, they'll take care of you, and, you know, they can get your contact info and stuff. And I said, okay. (laughs) No problem. So we began talking to this couple, and the guy's name was William. And honestly, these, they were just, there was a lot going on in their life, and I think they had gotten confused, some mixed messages from, from other people trying to find out what they could do about this attack they felt on their life. And they got into some really weird stuff. So the guy looks at me, and he tells me that a preacher had told him that he had a darkness inside of him. I don't know who it was. I don't know what was said, really, but that's what he told me. And he said, I don't understand. Is this my fault? He said, I I don't really understand what's going on. He said, "I, I, I don't know what I need to do. He said, I know you guys were praying, and that's awesome, but is there some kind of thing I need to do? And I looked at him, and I said, the last thing the devil wants is for you to know who God really is. The last thing the devil wants is for you to know the power that is in that name, and that name is Jesus. And I said, Amen. I said, I I don't know. I don't know what anyone else told you, but I said, I know one thing. The Bible says when you call on his name, they have to flee because there is power and there is authority in the name of Jesus. I don't know where to go. I don't know where to turn. I've gotten a lot of outside messages. I'm, I'm mixed up, but I know there's power in the name of Jesus And I know in the name of Jesus, lives are changed. I know in the name of Jesus, lives are healed. I know that God has a plan and a purpose. And when we call on that name, demons flee. When we call on that name, sickness is healed. When we call on that name, Jesus can do anything. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, we exchanged numbers. I I hope they text us again. Brother Kilman talks to them about Calvary. I hope they go. In Mark chapter 9, verse 23 and 24, it says that there was a man that came to Jesus, and his son was vexed with the Spirit. And the disciples had tried to pray for him, but I don't think they, they just were, this is where God said later on that none of this comes without prayer or fasting. And what happens is the man comes to him we finally bring the man and his son to Jesus. And Jesus said unto them, if thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. And straightway the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, but help mine unbelief. What was he saying? He was saying, I know you're Jesus, and I've seen you. Do these things. I know you can do it, but I don't know about me. That's where he was at. He said, I, I've seen you do this, but I don't know if you can do this for me. I don't know if you can do this for my son. And that's where we live our lives sometimes. We say, Jesus, I know you're God. I know what you can do. I've seen you do it before, but I don't know if you can do it for me. I don't know because of my past. I don't know because of the things I've done. I don't know because of where I've come from. I don't know because of the things I did yesterday. But the man said, he realized something. He said, Lord, I believe, but forgive me for mine unbelief. You see, sometimes the difference between a tragic defeat or a great victory can simply be the words, I believe. I believe Jesus is a miracle worker. I believe Jesus is a way maker. I believe Jesus is a provider. I believe Jesus is a defender. I believe Jesus has all power. I believe Jesus is all knowing. I believe Jesus is everywhere at once. I believe Jesus knows the number of hairs on my head. I believe Jesus knows when the sparrow falls to the ground. My God is bigger than anything and my God can do anything. And his name is Jesus. And we can call on his name. And he can do it for you. And he can do it for you. And he can do it for me. And he's done it before. And he'll do it again. No matter the circumstances we find ourselves in. No matter where we're at. We are surrounded by angels. We are surrounded by the presence of God. And God is fighting for us. I'm talking about the call of a king today. I'm talking about kingdom culture. But the reality is. And I'm going to be really honest, in kingdom culture, when we are pursuing the call of a king, when we're trying to know God, there's some things that we can't let in. There's some things that we can't do. When that man looked at me and said, what do I need to do? I said, there's power in the name of Jesus. And we also talked about what we allow into our lives. Because those things, when we know who Jesus is, don't have any power over us. But it's the choice we make to let those things in or not. Because they can't just come in. They have to be invited. Like Brother Carson talked about on Tuesday, hell's not meant for us. But we cho- every time we make the choice, we kick down the door and we choose to go there. Because it is a choice. It's what we allow in when we're in the dorm room. It's what we allow in when we're in a car with friends. It's what we allow in when no one is watching that is going to determine if we truly know God, if we can truly call on the name of Jesus. It doesn't matter the circumstance. It doesn't matter the problem. But it matters my my attitude matters. My character matters. My integrity matters. Because I'm talking about the call of a king. And it matters the choices we make. But Isaiah goes on to write in verses 4 through 7. So we have to know who God is, and we have to know what he can do. But in Isaiah chapter 6, it goes on to verse 4. It says, And the post of the door moved at the voice of him that cried. And the house was filled with smoke. Then said I, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For mine eyes have seen the king. The Lord of hosts then flew one of the seraphims unto me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken from the tongs off the altar. And he did put it upon my mouth and said, Lo, this hath touched thy lips, and thine iniquity is taken away, and thy sin is purged. You see, Isaiah realized who he was. He got a revelation of who God was, but when we realize how big and how great God is, we realize who we really are. And Isaiah said, I'm a man of unclean lips. I don't know if you know this or not, but you're human. It's true. If you didn't know, now you know. We're all human in this place. I hope so. I don't see any dogs or anything walking around talking. That'd be weird. But we're all human. We make mistakes. We slip up. We have ups and downs. Can you deal with the problems? We deal with problems. We deal with sickness. We deal with emotions. But that's why God said in 2 Corinthians, my strength is made perfect in weakness. We have the choice to decide if we truly want to know God or not, if we truly want to do what he has called us to do. But we have to realize who we are, and that is a man or woman in need of a Savior. And that is someone who can't do it on their own. That is somebody without God, we can't do anything. You see, Isaiah, King Uzziah died. His favor with the royalty was gone. His position was gone. But he was still a prophet. He still had a call of God on his life. When he realized who God was, he realized who he really was. And that was a man. But that was a man called by God to do something. The call of the king. It's not by power. It's not by might, and we all know it, but it's by the Spirit. And we can't do it on our own. You see, Lot tried to do it on his own, and he failed. Saul, a king, tried to do it his way, and he failed. But David, even though he did a lot of things wrong, surrendered to God and put it in his hands. Joseph, even though it took a lot of pain and suffering, allowed God to do a work in his life. You know, a blind man always plans his life around the fact that he's blind. He's blind, and that's it. I've got to do this because I'm blind. I've got to live this way because I'm blind. I have to, you know, have this help because I'm blind. And that's his life. That's what, in his mind, forgive the pun, but he sees, is that that's where he's at. And he lives his life by the fact that he is blind. But then when a blind man cries out, oh, son of David, have mercy on me, for I am unclean. And God says, and God picks up the mud, and he spits it, and he puts it on his eyes, and he is made whole. See, that's the power of God. But that's what we do sometimes. We walk around, and we say, well, this is where I have to go. This is what I have to do. This is who I am. This is this is my plan for my life right here, and this is where I'm gonna walk. This is where I'm gonna stay. You know, I, I, yeah, I came to IBC, but I'll probably get a degree after this. You know, and there's nothing wrong with that. And oh, I left it, I left it in my room. But my dad gave me this full focus planner, brother Henderson, and, and it's really cool. Um, I need to finish filling it out. Praise God. But it's really cool, you know, you set your goals for the day, you get your yearly view, you get all that, and you can plan your whole year out. But I got convicted when I thought about this. What would I do if God called me to the Middle East or Africa tomorrow? What would I do? And I just felt, you know what I'd do? I'd burn that book. Because there it goes. There goes all those plans I made for the whole year. There goes everything I wanted to do. I'm walking this way, God. Yeah, over. No, I'm going right here, and God says, "Nope, you're going that way." Sometimes we walk around spiritually blind to what God is calling us to do, and we walk around with spiritual blinders on, say, "Nope, this is where I'm going. This is what I'm doing. I don't know, God. I'm talking about the call of a king." I'm talking about kingdom culture. I'm talking about truly knowing God and truly knowing who you are and truly knowing what you're called to do. We serve the king of kings and every single person in this room is a child of the king. And we have to take those spiritual blinders off and say, all right, God, whatever it is, that's where I'm going to go. Isaiah, King Uzziah is dead. What are you going to do? I'm going to fulfill my call by God to be a prophet and speak to these children of Israel and tell them the word God has for them because that is what I'm called to do. Maybe, I'm telling you, you're called to be a preacher. You're called to be a worship leader. You're called to be a Sunday school director. You're called to a ministry that God has for your life. I don't know what it looks like, but we got to take those spiritual blinders off and say, All right, God, here am I. Here am I. Send me. God, I don't know what tomorrow holds. I don't know what I'm gonna do, but here I am. Come on, somebody. I don't know what your past looks like. I don't know what your future looks like, but God does. But can I tell you, you're right here. You're still here. Some have already given up for less. Some have already thrown in the towel, but you are still here, and we have to know God, and we have to know who we are. Mm. Here am I, God. Send me. Amen. I'm all for being a good steward of your time. I'm all about it. I need to get better at it. But like I said, we are all human. And without God, we are subject to spiritual blindness. We have to surrender our plans to him. A wise man once said, if you plan your life, you'll always underplan. Because you can't outplan God. The last words, my grandpa, he died of brain cancer. I I could preach about that man. I I do it every time I preach a sermon because every time I look at a certain aspect of his life, it challenges me, and it makes me want to do better. Sometimes it makes me get on my face and cry because I'm like, I am a wimp. What am I doing with my life? But he was sitting in his living room, hadn't been able to speak for days, deteriorating because of brain cancer. It was God's time to call him home. But my grandma, she, was, she told me this story just a couple weeks ago. She said she was sitting there weeping and crying, and she couldn't, she couldn't get past it. She couldn't get past that the love of her life, this man she'd seen do all these great things, was sitting there deteriorating, dying of brain cancer. She said she was bawling her eyes out. My grandpa, who hadn't been able to speak for three or four days at all, leans up straighter than he's ever sat, points right at her and says, God has a plan. And it's okay. And that was the last words he'd ever spoke to her. He passed away the next week. And that was it. God has a plan, and it's okay. God has a plan for your life, and it's okay. God has a calling on your life, and it's okay. God, I don't know how I'm going to pay my school bill. God, I don't know where I'm going to be tomorrow. God, I don't know where I'm going to be a year from now. But it's okay. It's okay because I know Jesus. I know who he is. I know what he can do. I've seen him do it before, and I'll see him do it again because God is God. I am not, and God has a plan for my life. I may not understand it. I may not know it, but it's okay because Jesus is God, and he is the king of kings, and he is the Lord of lords, and he reigns over all. I don't have an excuse. I don't have a reason to say no. He went to the cross for me. He put the crown of thorns on his head. He put the nails in his hand. He was pierced in his side. He took the 39 save one lashes. Or, yeah, he took those lashes. You know what I'm saying. He took the 39 lashes. He took the crown of thorns on his head. He said he took his last breath for me, for you. I don't have an excuse. I don't have a reason. Have I had nails in my hands? No. Have I had my side pierced? No. Have I had 39 lashes? No. But you know what the beauty of it is? I don't have to. No one in here has to. I know who God is. We have to know who God is, and we have to know who we are, and we have to know what he's called us to do. Because Isaiah, he gets this vision from God. God shows him who he really is. God reveals to him who Isaiah really is. And then he says this in Isaiah chapter 6, verse 8. Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send? And who will go for us? And then said I, here am I. Send me. Isaiah realized who God was. Isaiah realized who he is. And then he realized what his mission was. And that was to reach those children of Israel. That was to preach the word God had given him to those people. Yeah, a time of judgment was coming. Yeah, some things were going to happen. But eventually, Jesus was going to get there. Eventually, Jesus was going to get there and shed his blood for those people, for all of us. I don't know how many times, but there's a lot of times that the prophecy Isaiah prophesies of the coming of Christ. A lot of times. He prophesies what Jesus is going to come to do. Yeah, Isaiah's job is to tell the children of Israel, listen, this is coming because of what we've done. But his job is also to prophesy the coming of the king of kings and the Lord of lords and a way of escape, a way of salvation, a way out, because Isaiah realized what his mission was. I can't truly fulfill and understand the mission until we truly know the king and we truly know who we are. And we can't truly understand the call until we truly know the king. I'm talking about the call of the king. I'm talking about kingdom culture. U.S. Army officer Felix Felix Sparks marched from the beaches of Sicily through the mountains of Italy and France across Europe into Germany. The march of Sparks and his men lasted several years. Sparks commanded thousands of men through some of the bloodiest battles of World War II. They fought to their last breath. Sparks said they gave their all. Many years after the war, Sparks walked through the graves of his fallen comrades, thousands of men. And he asked one of his surviving friends that he had fought shoulder to shoulder with in World War II, he said, why did they go? Why did they rush into battle? Why did they listen to my commands? Why did they lay everything on the line? His friend responded, because they were fighting for something bigger than themselves. Because they realized what they were fighting for was more important than their own lives. They went because of the burden of the cause they were fighting for. We have a responsibility. It's his mandate, and it's our mission. When we truly know who God is, when we truly know who we are, we're a lot better off than a lot of people out there right now. A lot of people don't even know who he is. When I talked to that man out there, I said, he's like, no one's ever really told me that before. There's millions of people, billions of people out there right now that don't even know who he is. You know, a lot of people like to quote that verse, and I'm not going to get too crazy today. But, you know, stand up for the oppressed, right? Let me tell you who the most oppressed people are in the world today. Those that don't know God. Those that don't know the power that's in his name. Those that can't find a church to go to and get down on their knees and worship God every day and lift their hands and call on the name of Jesus, those are the most oppressed people in society today. And it's not defined by race. It's not defined by class. It's not defined by a border. It's not defined by anything the world can put on it. But we are talking about the kingdom of God. And I'm talking about kingdom culture. I'm talking about the call of a king. I'm talking about people the devil has put chains on, that they've allowed these things into their life, and they don't know where to go. They don't know where to turn. But you have the answer. You have a mandate given by God. You have a responsibility to reach this world. I don't care, mask or no mask, people need God. I don't care what's going on in society. People need God. I don't care what the world says. People need God. He is the answer. And I'm coming to a close if the musicians want to come. Jesus shed his blood for everyone. He took the ridicule. He took the mockery. He took the crown of thorns on his head. He took the lashes. He took carrying the cross on his back. He took the piercing in his side. He took the nails in his hands. He took his final breath. For every single person on the face of this earth. And it is our mission. It is our responsibility. It is our call to reach them. The only way we can do it is if we know God. If we truly know him. If we truly know who we are. And what we are called to do. If we know our mission. If we trust God no matter what. No matter the plans we made for ourselves, no matter the circumstances, no matter the storm, we have to put it in his hands. We can't do it on our own. We have to reach this world. Over the summer, I had the opportunity to meet an awesome guy. His name was, well, I don't want to tell his name. I'll say his name was Dave. That's the name I like to use for people I don't like to say their names. His name was Dave, and I had the opportunity to have some conversations with Dave. You see, Brother Aaron Airwood from our church in Seymour felt the burden. He was filming this video for the Home Missions Department, North American Missions Department. And he felt the burden to go down to Louisville, Kentucky, about an hour away from we, where we live. You know, this was before a lot of, of this unrest was happening, but he felt to go down there. And the first person he saw to ask to be in this video and that guy he saw was Dave. And he said, hey, man, I'm filming this video. You want to be in it? He's like, yeah, what's it about? He's like, oh, it's for a church thing. He goes, yeah, sure, man. So he's in, he, he says he'll be in the video. And he, they're filming. Well, then Brother Arrow strikes up a conversation with him. They begin to talk. They begin, after that, he, they get each other's numbers. They begin to hang out. Then Dave brings his girlfriend and his son with him. They begin to do Bible studies. Dave's been coming to our church for about six, seven months now. He got up the other day, and he testified, and he said, I'm going to be honest with everybody in this place. I walked in here, and I thought every single one of you would hate me. He said, you don't know where I come from. He said, I grew up in the projects. My mom was struggling on drugs. I don't know my dad. He said, I, I sold drugs. He said, I've told a few people in here this story, and I've never seen contempt or hate from anybody's eyes in this place. He said, I've never felt more unconditional love than anywhere, than here in this place with every single one of you. And he said, listen, he said, I, I, I'm just, he's like, I'm just a guy. He said, but I was on my way to church today. He said, I got my running clothes on under my dress clothes right now. Because Mr. J, that's who picked him up. That's what he calls him. He said, Mr. J came and picked me up for church. And um, he said, I had just gone for a run. But I got was getting close to my house and I saw these guys beating up this old white dude for his moped. And he said, You know when Jesus was flipping tables in the temple? He said, That's how I felt right there. I said, Oh boy. He said, I ripped those kids off that guy so fast, and there was a gazebo right by us, and I pulled them in there and I gave them a Bible study for two hours. I said, Oh my word. He said, those kids were weeping and crying. They were no older than 11. But they'd never heard anything like that before. You see, I know where they came from. I was there. He's been in church six, seven months. And he's teaching Bible studies to these kids. He said, I was there. I've been there. I know what they're going through. I gave them a Bible study for two hours. Incredible testimony. I went up to him after and I said, Dave, we're dealing with all these problems in society why don't people talk about this stuff more why don't we hear more stories like this and I was just wanting to see what he would say and he looked at me and said you know Drew said when I was selling drugs I was making more money than I ever would or could make in my life and it was because of the culture that's perpetrated in society that allowed me to make that money he said it's because so many people are willing to buy into that stuff that I could do that he said I was selfish He said, I didn't care what anybody thought. I didn't care what my grandma thought. My girlfriend, my son were about to leave. And I didn't care because I was selfish. And you know what I realized? That's anyone's life without God. That's anyone's life without the truth. These cultural problems we're dealing with, these things that we're dealing with in society, we've always had issues. It's because people don't know God. Some people don't even want to know God. But every single person in this room has a responsibility. Every single person in this room has a mandate. Dave looked at me and he said, I've never been anywhere like this before. I've never felt more unconditional love in my life. I wish somebody would have told this to me sooner. Because then I wouldn't have had to go through all that stuff I went through. Listen, a testimony is incredible. But God can keep you and God can bring you out of anything. And it's in the power of the name of Jesus that that stuff happens. If we can all stand. You know, and what's crazy, there's probably a couple Dave's in here right now that decided to follow the call of God on your life. Man, I don't know if I, I'll pick on him for a second. Quincy Coffee inspires me every single day because I know his story. I know where he came from. And, man, he's got an awesome call of God on his life. But I'll never forget the day. It was his senior year of high. Quincy, is this okay? Okay. Sorry. That's awkward. Um, But I'll never forget the day where we were getting ready to go into our senior year of high school the last year. You know, that's your last year. That's it. That's the big thing. And he's got, he's got a lot going on at the school he was at, involved in a lot of things. But he said, you know what? I want to go to that private Christian school they got down the road. And he came to our school. And, oh, man, I'm trying not to cry. And then we're walking and we're talking. And I, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I was doubting the call of God on my life. I was doubting if I was even a preacher or not. I was down even. I didn't know what I was supposed to do. I didn't know if I wanted to come to IBC. And there's some other things that happened. But one of the biggest things for me, and I've never told you this, Quincy. But Quincy said to me, you know, I think I want to go to Indiana Bible College. I want to be a preacher. And I looked at my own life and I said, what am I doing? What am I called to do? It doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter who you are, but every single person in this room has a call and a mandate and a mission given by God to reach this world. I know it's hard right now. I know it's tough. I know it's not easy, but we got to figure it out because there's people that are hungry. There's people that need God. I'm talking about the call of a king today. I'm talking about kingdom culture today. It's not some kind of ritual. It's not some kind of position. It's not some kind of thing we can do for ourselves. But it's knowing who God is. It's knowing who we are. And it's knowing what we're called to do. That's kingdom culture. That's the call every single person in this room has. We can't come to the front. But in a little bit, we're going to do some communion. I think it would be appropriate for us to really focus on who Jesus is and what he did for us. And he, what he wants to do for this world. And I don't think there's any more appropriate symbol of that than communion. So we're going to do that in a little bit. But I think in preparation for that, we need to find a place to pray right now. And we need to examine ourselves. We need to examine our hearts. We need to surrender to God right now. And what he wants to do in our lives. Surrender to the call. We want to live kingdom culture. We want to fulfill the call of a king. So let's find a place to pray right now and ask God just to search our hearts and search our minds and lay it all at the foot of the cross in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus right now, in the name of Jesus right now.